Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. All right. So, um, if you don't know me, I'm Andoni. I'm one of the leaders. I've been here for some time. Um, me and, and my wife, Lorna, and Leon, we um, are craving to one day move over here, but we normally live in Portland. Um, and how many of you are new? Have, like, this is like your first time. Awesome. Raise your hand. We want to welcome you. Raise your hand. That's awesome. Welcome. Well, thank you for being here. Um, a few months ago, Alex asked me to, um, to teach on this vision series and share a little bit of the prophetic culture that we have here. And um, I know you probably think I am only always teaches on prophetic. That's kind of true. But um, I'm going to do it a little bit different this time because that made me think, what is the model? How do I see a prophetic culture where there's freedom, love, and it's translating what actually the, the Father's heart is for the rest of the people, right? Um, right now, it's amazing that a lot, of, a lot of you are changing the town by being prophetic, by overflowing on what the Lord has already given you. You're, you're sharing that love and you're inspiring people to communicate with the Lord, that they're reconnecting, they're reconciliating the town with the Lord, which is amazing. And I believe this is great, and I believe that that's where we should be going. But as the leader, as a leader of, of this movement and part of what um, the foundation of this church, I feel like I still want to make the foundation of that uh, prophetic culture a little bit more solid. And I want us to do, look at that foundation into our righteous identity, like the identity that we have as a righteousness of Christ, which is one of our values. If you're new, Welcome to that. Uh, yes, we believe that Jesus paid for that. You'll learn through this teaching on that. Um, and that you're free from sin. And you don't have to sin anymore. There you go. I'm done. Um, I really believe that righteousness uh, flows. It's the foundation. And love is the foundation of our Christian walk. It's one of the first steps of starting to walk on authority and love, right? And uh, if you want to look into that further, you can look in and read 1 Corinthians 13. If um, you think that's only for weddings, that's the wrong context of that passage. That's actually a prophetic passage, as I've taught before here. But anyway, anyway as I mentioned, recently, um, Lorna and I and, and some friends, we were out. Uh, we went to Italy. It was a very lovely time. And um, recently, we were visiting Rome, and we visited the Vatican. Now, I got to give you a little bit of context. I'm Mexican, so I come from a culture that's very Catholic, and I grew up uh, Christian, Protestant, you would say. And so I was very used to always being on guard with anything Catholic. Very used to it. Like, I'm always like in the competitive side of things. <laughs> so for me, it was kind of a reconciliation with our own history. I, it actually shocked me how much it impacted my heart. It, because of all the history and seeing that history being just, you're literally walking in it and uh, standing there, I was just blown away. I think that's one of the last slides, but 
Is it not? Well, whatever. Um, there it is. I was amazed by the greatness of the place and the history behind it. And there we go. And then I saw these statues. There's two statues. There's Peter and Paul right in front of the basilic. And for me, it just moved me to think about what these two men did back in the day, back in their day, how they lived their life, that now history is just always looking at them as here are the basics, here's the saints, the, the examples of who we should be following, right? And it made me think, all these people that have made an impact in, 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 in the world, they all had a foundation on their identity. Now there's a massive church there, when, as before, when they lived there, when they lived there, uh, actually it was near a circus, so it was where Christians were murdered. Now there's a massive church that recounts who is Lord, right? And that's where Peter's tomb is, which filled my, my eyes with tears. And it, it just, as I tell you, I was having like a, a very deep spiritual encounter with the Lord in there. Um, and it just made me feel how small of a section of history we are in. It humbled me so much of like, forgetting, thinking that Christian history is 100 years. Normally, I used to think back in the day, like 15 years ago, because of all the teachings that I would listen to, it was like Azusa Street was the beginning. It was Jesus, <laughs> and then Azusa Street, and then it started taking off. And, and, and I forget all the 2,000 years that, it, that that existed, right? Um, anyway, those are the men and women that defied the status quo, right? It's the men and women that, that knew who they were, and they knew the standard. What is our standard? Who is your standard of living? Let's think about that for a second. Who's, who's the person that you hold like, that's who I want to be? Well, um, it's not rhetorical. It's more like wanting to get an answer. It's Jesus, right? That's our standard. That's what Peter and Paul hold on to. That's, that's who they saw in the flesh and they wanted to imitate. They wanted to live like it, right? Jesus walked in righteousness and in love in the middle of when, when he was alive and, and when he was here, because he's still alive. The world doesn't believe it is possible to hold that, right? They, the, the world believes that, hey, you cannot really walk in love and righteousness. You always are held to the, the, the nature, right? And even so, that that was happening in, with Jesus. 400 years later, it had to re, be reestablished by the church, by that church, in the Council of Ephesus. The church, third general council, which accused one of their teachers of teaching that Jesus was two persons, one human and one divine. But the church settled, no, he was both. And which is one of the greatest ministries that we get to live by this, as believers, right? And why is this important? Why is this important that Jesus was one, human and divine? Because if he was only divine, I wouldn't see him as a standard. I don't have to be accounted to that standard because I'm not divine. So the standard is, is too far. It's, I don't have to be accountable to that. But if you look in Philippians 2, 5, 7, there it is. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to, to his own advantage. This is talking about Jesus. He did not take into to consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself Nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. 
If Jesus did all that he did because he was God, then he isn't setting an example. There's no standard set for me. But he did it as a human, so he is setting a standard. That's what Paul and Peter believed that, which is why they experienced miracles, which is why they experienced turning the world upside down. Now, did they get to see the fruit of all their ministry? Very little. They didn't see the explosion of, not, of what we now have, right? Of what the Christian faith grew like. They actually, Peter got murdered there, right? Paul as well in Rome. Now, I see two camps here in the church, which is what I wanted to talk about. I see two, two, two camps that, of what's happening. One of us wants to make the standard happen. We want to work to make the standard um, be applied. It's like we're working on our garden to, or our um, little thing that you, what do you call them? The Japanese thing? The same garden to happen. And we build our identity on what we do spiritually, meaning, or in the ministry, in the prophetic. We build our identity and we get our value from what we're getting, right? And the other half don't even think that they can try because we don't know if we deserve it or not. So we're just stuck. So what are those two things? It's earning when you're, you're in ministry and you're building a relationship around what you're doing. You're trying to earn the identity. And, or you make it a disturbing situation when you do not think even ministering to others is an option because you got to deal with your own stuff first and, hey, i got to really figure it out. Then I'll start speaking, maybe, right? Now, when I... Wow, we have... New toddler. <laughs> uh, when I was in fifth grade, um, I grew up being a um, nice kid, had a lot of friends, and it, it, like, you know, before you hit that point where you lose your innocence, where the world is not nice to you. Um, in fifth grade, I found that a kid was not nice to me, and he kept on teasing me and bothering me, and, um, which was a bully, right? And my, fa- my first bully, I hadn't till fifth grade, that's kind of... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Anything. Anyway, I wanted to end that. I really wanted to end that. And um, I finally challenged him to resist, to, to figure this out. And uh, I immediately regretted my challenge. Uh, but there I was. I, I had, I don't know, I used the magic words. And once you say those words of a fight, there, there's, there's people shouting fight. And, it's in the, and you're in the middle of it. And... I wasn't happy, I didn't want to do it, and there were people shouting, fight, 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 and all that kind of stuff, and I was obviously backing out because I was not used to doing this kind of thing. Um, Then he started talking again, and he started using the same words and the same things that he had been saying, and I blanked out, and and he was on the floor crying. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so from that point on, I kind of, it's something clicked in my mind that, hey, I get respect when I do this. After that, he did not bother me at all. Like, it was very, and everyone that was watching, they did not bother me at all. Um, <laughs> when we moved to a new state, different state, that's a problem. When you change schools, or you establish some repetition, and then you move schools, then you got to do it all over again. And uh, I had to do it all over again. Like, uh, I, we moved to a new state, and I did have an accent. When you have an accent, and you move to another state, and you're a kid, they find it funny. So I did not find it funny. So uh, 
It was constantly. My, my parents had to take us out of the school because I would get on fights almost every day, and my brothers too. Um, so this kept on going. And I think I grew up with, now that I was recounting all the moments that I got in fights, it, it, it was a lot. So uh, my brother, a couple of months ago, he's a writer. Um, he wrote a story, and the characters in the story, one of them was me. Um, I was like, when I started reading it, I was like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> when I learned that he was going to be a writer, I was like, oh, this is going to, this is going to suck. <laughs> and in the story, it was of me getting out in a fight with him. And he's younger than me, and he was beating me in GoldenEye. And Nintendo 64, he kept on shooting me, and, I, and he kept making fun of me, so I beat him up pretty bad. Um, I obviously, when I re read that, I was in tears. I was like, this is horrible. Like, remembering that story, it just made me feel so bad. And I obviously texted him and called him and told him that I'm sorry. And he said, hey, that's forgiven. This is fiction. It's just based in reality. I'm like, yeah, this is not fiction. This is, this is really me. That really happened. Um, whatever you want to tell your writer friends, that actually happened, man. Um, but um, then I realized that that fighting thing, that day, I, I, like when I was feeling terrible about what, my, what I did to my brother, I realized that that fighting mentality just kept on going, but it moved into verbal. Like I, I, I started debating all the time with my brothers. Whenever someone would like attack me, I would defend myself very, like I started training my mind to be faster and wanting to defend ourselves in, in our family dinners. It was just a bloodbath of discussions and debates and very Mexican. But, um, but it was all based out of a weak identity because anything that would come against me was a threat. Anything. It was so shaky. It was so easy to poke me, and I, it would just turn on the I want to fight. I got to defend myself. I would explode, right? It was a competition on value. Who has more value here on the table? He, who has more value here on the playground, right? It was... When, when, when I read the publication, I asked the Lord, how, like, has that gone away? Because I, I don't feel like I have that anymore. And I asked the Lord, how, how did that go away? And he reminded me of the moment I went to ministry school. And, and through ministry school, I started learning who, what my identity was, who I was in him, what I had already been given, not earned, not deserved. He was given me and how that changed who I was. So when I came back home for Christmas, and um, obviously my brothers were like, did you get a girlfriend? <laughs> why you went to ministry school, that's what you guys do for ministry school, right? Get girlfriends and stuff. Um, I, I obviously did not respond. I was like, hey, no, I'm good. I, I don't have a girlfriend. Uh, that hasn't worked out, but it's okay. And then they were, they were shocked. L really, you were like, well, that's not really... No, it, they were shocked because I was normally... Like, that would pick it up. Like, that would start rolling the discussion. And, and one of them told me, like, what happened? Like, you're, you're so different. You're not responding to the pokes. And, I, and, and then it gave me the opportunity to actually share, well, it's actually I learned who I was. This is what I want us in our culture to keep on growing on. 
that everyone here knows so well and you're so comfortable in your skin that it's not because you don't want to do anything here out of I want to prove who I am or my worth or, 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 or how much, how tough I am or how valuable I am. I just know. And because of what I know, it overflows and I want to love on the people around me. That's the culture I want to do. So then your prophetic words are not going to be manipulative. You're not going to try to like get something out of it or some value. Or even if you're not trying to get anything out of the person, but you're in the behind, you're like, with God, I got some points out of that, some ministry points out of that. I'm feeling good about myself. No, none of that. You're free. You're free from it. No load. Even when, when we're here and like teaching, it's a lot of the, that it can come into the performance of how am I going to do? If I do well, I'll feel good about myself. No, that, that's, that's what we want to get rid of. Um, grace is that ingredient. That is the ingredient that sometimes is missing, that often is misunderstood. And I'm not talking about specifically in this church, but in the general church, it's misunderstood. We either want to, as I've said, think that we deserve it or not, because we take into account what has done, or we want to earn it, which is both ways you're missing it because in either way, you're just playing a, you know what a zero-sum game is? It basically goes into lack. Thinking we're not accepting, it's just, no, it, there it is. It's a situation of insanity in which one person's gain is equivalent to another's loss. So the net change in wealth or benefit is zero. But that's the cool thing of this is that grace changes that. It transforms that because it brings value that didn't exist before because of the cross. So what does grace do? How far does it go? Let's go read. Everyone, can you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5.12? Let's, let, let's read this verse and see what grace does. There it is if you don't have a Bible and want to see it. Here it goes. I'm going to start reading on 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, therefore... From now on, we regard no one according to what? You can say it. To the flesh. No flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us to the, world, to the word of reconciliation. So, let's, this is God's word. Our old nature as a sinner has been completely done away with through the cross. We're now, that if one died for all, then all died. We died. Dead. Right? We've learned that. We've listened to that. If you haven't learned that, you can go back into other sermons and listen to that. We're dead to sin. They're dead to our old nature. Dead to the needing to find in value. 
which is huge, which is what I was talking about. The need of, I want to feel like I'm connected or, or like that has been done away because he's fulfilled it. That nature has been changed. When we're trying to earn it for ourselves, we value, we value ourselves that temptation is perfectionism. It's going for perfectionism. What's perfectionism? It's the performance of getting value through what you do. And the better you do it, the more value you feel, right? It's interesting. I was looking at stats. Perfectionism is actually considered like a, like a religious belief, almost, because of the trend it has been going in the past 50 years. It's actually like exponentially growth, the belief of, I want to be perfect. I, it's okay to look for perfection. Um, but what we're looking for, perfectionism is the counterfeit of excellence. What we're looking for is excellence. And what is excellence? Excellence is giving your best unto God with the Spirit on you. It's me teaching here my best and then not holding myself into, hey, did I perform well? Did they, what did they think? Am I looking for the likeness? Am I, am I looking for their uh, agreement or not? Like I'm just saying, I'm going to share what the Lord has given me. I'm going to give my best. And that's okay. Because he's my father, he's accepted me, so my identity is not moved out of my performance. When your identity is moved out of your performance, then it's perfectionism what you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. When your value is held by what he did, your gifts benefit everyone around you. So how connected do you feel that you are now absolutely irresistible to God? And completely connected to him. That's, that's the truth. How connected do you feel to the truth that you're now absolutely irresist, irresistible to God and completely connected to him? These are the verses that I got from this. I'm just going to shoot them like machine gun pretty fast. In there because we've, we know them, but it's important that we see them again. I just... These are the things that when I'm feeling into temptation, when I'm feeling like the world is bringing things that, to mind that are reminding me of the old nature, I go back to these verses and I have them in my mind constantly, going renewing my mind of this is what he did. This is what he has done. This is what he paid for. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So you are in peace with Jesus Christ. That's awesome. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what Instagram throws or TikTok throws. You are dead to sin. You, they have, it has no authority. It has no hold on you. Any kind of argument, any kind of temptation to actually fight, or flight, or all those kind of things should not hold you because you're dead to sin. God did by sending his own son his likeness of, in the likeness of sinful flesh to be sin offering, and so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness, the righteous require, requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we now live according to who? The to the spirit. So we, we, we have no need to get that assurance of identity. We, we, we have been given it so that we can live freely for it. So we now rely on the love of God that has for us. And this is another one. Yeah. So now we rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 
This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world we are like. That's our standard. Isn't that actually sets you up to be in the same level that Paul and Peter? Is, for me, that sets me up, like puts me like, that's crazy. It means that if you're moving through this, like through the spirit, whatever you do right now echoes through eternity. Whatever you, your actions are with the Spirit echoes through eternity. What you're doing with your children, what you're doing in your daily tasks, if you're doing it through Him, you're actually marking history. By His love, it was given to us. But I, what I want, again, in this prophetic culture is to be full of the Spirit, comfortable, comfortable on what He has paid in the ministry of reconciliation. So, there's a story in the Bible that um, encompasses this whole thing pretty well that, I want, that most of you might be um, familiar with. And it's the parable of the lost son. Jesus gives this parable where he teaches that there was a man who had two sons, right? One son left, asked for his inheritance, left the house, uh, basically asking for the inheritance, is saying, hey, I want you dead, so uh, give me what you would give me if you were dead. I'm out. And uh, so he divided the property and he let one of them go. The other one stayed. Now, the one that left, as soon as he was spending all of his inheritance, um, yeah, squandering it, he got poor, right? He did not have any means. So he ended up eating with the pigs and taking care of pigs. And he said, even my father has, takes better care of his servants now that I'm eating with the pigs, right? And he came to his senses. How many of my father's, it says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? So he set out, he came back. He wanted to come back to his father. And back in the day, you would get stoned if you came back after doing something like that, right? And um, killed to death. But the father, what he did, is that he stood out, looked when the sun was coming into the town, and ran, ran to reconcile with his son. Was he saving his son right there, his life? Yeah, he was saving his son's life because he was showing the town, this is okay with me. The debt that was held against me by my son is paid. I'm covering it. And that's when he put the, he covered him, he put the, the, what did he put? Let me check so I don't make it. That son said, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his sons, quick, bring the best robe, the robe, put a ring on his, on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. So here's the father celebrating that his son returned. Doesn't matter what he did. He, he, he forgives them. He forgives him. Meanwhile, this is the other one, the older son was in the field. And when he learned that his brother has come, had come back and there was a party for it, he left and went to the field and, and did not celebrate with everyone. And he became angry and refused to go in. And the father went out to look for the son. And he said, but look, the son said, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet... You never gave me even one young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, his son of, when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. 
Then the father said, my son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. This is a very clear example of the two. One didn't, one thought he deserved everything, and then thought when he came back that he didn't deserve anything, right? It's a deserving issue. Where do I stand? Do I deserve it or do I don't? The other one is I want to earn it. Even though that he already had it, even though it was already given to him, he wanted to earn it. So both of them were lost. It's not one son that got lost. It's both of them were lost. But the father pointed back the other one to saying, hey, you've always had everything. Live in the kingdom. Live here in my house. This is what I'm, what, what I'm looking for to, to, to get us to, where we feel like everything, every gift that the Father has given you is for you to take. It's paid. In the cross, it was taken care of. Receive it. If we live beyond, like, below that, we're not giving back what Je- like Jesus' full reward. Everything that he paid for, like, it's available. If we're not taking it, we're not receiving Jesus' full reward. We want to. Remember Paul and Peter, as I, made, as I mentioned before. Can we put the, the, that slide of Paul and Peter and the Peter, Peter Square? Well, that's Nero's circus. And um, if you remember in the picture before that, or we can go to the next picture, um, there's that obelisk. You see that obelisk? That comes from Egypt. That is the same obelisk that existed with Nero's Circus. So that obelisk has seen the two things. Nero's Circus, where Christians were murdered, and now um, where the whole Catholic Church is based. What, what I want to say is, these guys, Peter and Paul, were, lived during the time where Nero's Circus was the, one, the reality. And they didn't let that reality dictate how they would live. They let what their teacher, the standard that Jesus set, set how they would live, and that ended up changing this whole city to become like the capital of Christianism and the biggest church. (laughs) This message is about two men who saw who they could be in Christ when they lived their lives in action. And... and, uh, what if you were to, to see who you really are, were in Christ, like them? And then speak what the Lord has given you through you, and you, tr- you start blessing the people around you with what the Lord has entrusted you. When we connect to that reality that we already received it, it's already given, you don't have to earn it, you just get to operate on overflow. We want to move away from the I did. Think about it. This is my last analogy, I promise. Think about it this way. Um, there were two thieves that got crucified with Jesus. Two thieves, right? One of them recognized who Jesus was. Said, hey, remember me. When you get to your kingdom, remember me. Right? And the other one was almost making fun of Jesus, right? Um, if we get to heaven and we say, Hey, I should come in because what I did, because all the people that I, he- I healed, all the people that I prayed for, every, every people that gave a prophetic, you're missing the point. What did the thief say that was his argument to come into heaven? That dude in the middle of the cross told me I could be here. 
I don't even know his name. He told me, hey, I could show up. Like, it's like the angels were so confused probably in the entrance, like, who are you? I've never heard of you. What, what, what's your studies? What, what have you done? Like, I've never seen you. Like, well, that guy, that guy that was in the middle, in the middle cross told me I could be here. That's all I did, and, and now I'm here. I just said to remember, to remember me, and that's it. He said I could show up. No studies, nothing. He didn't pray for anyone. He just, and where did he sat? Next to the Father. I always had this idea that in, in the kingdom you would get like seats assigned according to where you were, but that, that is not true. In the verses that I was sharing, there's like you get to sit next to the Father. Why? Because it's by His grace. I know that I'm very competitive, but in the kingdom, there's no, there's no room for that. Because it's being taken care of. No competition. You won. The medal's yours. Take it. Stop battling with your dead, with your dead nature. Now, to, the, to any parents of boys, I would tell you, do not get rid of that competing thing. It's a good thing, because that's for to defeat the enemy. Not to earn our place in the kingdom with, with Jesus, but to defeat the enemy. That's a good thing that we want to keep. All right, um, we're going to go into communion because I want to, I want to finish with this. If you can all stand with me. in 2 Corinthians, Paul describes that knowing, Jesus knowing that he was betrayed, he had, he took communion with his, with his disciples. He already knew that he was betrayed and he gave thanks. I, like, for me that's, even in the circumstances that he was in, he gave thanks for what he had. Being thankful for what we've already been given, I think it's one of the key foundations for this, to receive the righteousness that he paid for. Maybe you're battling with something. Maybe you haven't received breakthrough in something. Maybe you're still struggling with, with a thing that you, you, you've been del dealing with for a long time. What if we stand right now and you submit that, like, Jake was saying, submit that to his feet. Put it down and say, hey, right now I'm thankful for what you have given me. Even though I haven't seen breakthrough here, I'm thankful for what you've, you've done already, which is saved us, reconciled us, and put us right next to the Father. That's his heart. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.